kids behind the bus time. From the NHRL studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Malice Captain Bunny Lau and teammate and husband David Lau. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have three news items for you today. First up, Autobots captains and pit crew members took home top prizes this weekend at NHRL's New Year New Bots competition. In the Beatles, Banshee captain David Small took home first place with his dominant drum spinner Puka, which went undefeated across seven matches. In the 12s, Donald Sung took home a golden dumpster with Torrential, the first spot he's built since taking a 15-year hiatus from combat robotics. Fun fact, and this is truly a delightful fun fact, Donald happened to be freshman year roommates at Georgia Tech with Sawblaze captain Jameson Go. What? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fun fact, right? That's the wildest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and in the 30s, it was Shredder Bro designer Remy de Guzman running Eva, a 30-pound version of the heavyweight version of Shredder Bro, which made its debut on BattleBots last week. In the final match, Remy faced Dragon Slayer captain Jordan Neal running a Dragon Slayer-inspired robot called Squire. Eva landed an absolutely devastating hit on Squire, popping both wheels off its opponent at the same time. NHRL is back in action March 18th with its second qualifying event of the season. Uh, I want to pause here. Uh, all four of us were there at NHRL this weekend. Big takeaways uh, from Saturday's action. I uh, I was so happy for David Small. Um, I think that was my big takeaway from like the actual winners of the event was I have I have felt so much joy for David Small in the moment that he actually got the the dumpster and his bot. I mean, Puka performed as well as any bot you would see in the three pound division. It is a real contender and it's awesome. And he put in some really good work into it. Um, Really neat bot. Uh, And then also Remy winning was, I think Remy was more surprised than anyone else in the entire world. It was really funny to see him like, um, almost begrudgingly, except his golden dumpster, because he was like, I, I don't know why I won this. None of this makes sense. Um, it was really cute. I liked it a lot. I'll definitely back that up. David Small's reaction uh, after after winning was maybe one of the most whole, wholesome moments that I had ever seen in NHRL history. It was just pure joy. It was pure joy. <laughs> Even just watching him in that final match, like how intense he was, it reminded me yeah. of like a Viking, like <laughs> in battle. <laughs> and it was, it was just like, I don't know, you, you get a lot of intensity from matches, but that was like on another level. And I think that, you know, we had heard that he had some, um, like flight delays and there were some issues with him, like just physically getting there. And then he didn't have a lot of sleep. And so like, I can't even imagine that level of adrenaline. 
and he had not won a golden dumpster before so like I'm sure he was just like that was his singular focus and you could probably feel it in that moment that it was really close and I yeah my heart was like beating so fast because it was like I'm witnessing something special here yeah yeah I mean he's been there before but he's brought like older bots or like um he wanted to see how his three pound flipper bot that pneumatic flipper at three pounds is like an amazing achievement in and of itself would do in the norwalk field you know he wasn't really there i think to be competitive until this time and he put so much heart and soul into this little bot and to see it perform as well as it did and then to see it perform as well as as it did while all of his friends from vegas were there to like cheer him on and support him. And that was amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. So that was a really cool moment. Um, the other big thing was the format change. We single elimination. How did you guys feel about it? It's, it's, uh, easier to follow certainly for the fans, you know, like there, uh, there, there are fewer kind of explanatory moments where you're like, okay, they're, we're going to see them again. This is not the last time we we're, we're, we're seeing this person. Um, so that was good. Um, the event obviously ran faster, which is so important because every single event that we run, you're getting more and more and more beetles, um, which is amazing. Like that is just a testament to Norwalk's growth and its success. And we needed to make a change at the top of the year to like continue to scale. I, I'm going to imagine that by the end of the year, we're going to go from 100 beetles in the field to 200 beetles in the field. We may see another big rule change or format change in January of next year, just because it's just an incredibly popular competition. Um, So like it it was necessary, it needed to happen. And, you know, like the kind of downside, of course, is that like you have just no room for error at all in the Beatles specifically. Um, One loss and you're out. Um, But the nice thing is that I think that the robots that rose to the top were the best robots in the field. Um, Puka going undefeated really felt right. That thing is incredibly machined. Like you look at it and you're like, this is a custom work of art. And um, I think even if we ran double elimination, Puka would have come out on top, except uh, David would have come out on top at like 3 a.m. in the morning <laughs> instead of like 8 p.m. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think. I think kind of the big thing that you're looking for is like with a format change, do the winners who are supposed to win still win? Like, yes, probably, you know? Um, so, so that was good. Um, and we opened up freestyle, like NHL freestyle, I think is an incredible opportunity for people to fight as many times as they want without time restrictions or really any of the pressure of, you know, repair windows and stuff like that. I really think freestyle is an incredible opportunity for builders to get a lot of stick time during one of these competitions. So yeah, I mean, I, I will be the first to admit I had some reservations about moving to a single elimination format, but I think that by and large, it really, really worked out. And I know that the new format, big topic of conversation, but we're glossing over something that I think is even bigger. Okay. That is the fact that I, Lindsay Bear got to drive a mini bot, y'all. Oh my <laughs> god! Mouse yes, mouse. you wow. did. Um, wow, you were a part of the most delightful team in the entire event. Like you guys were having the most fun every single time you came out there. If there was a prize awarded to the team that had the best time, it was clearly you guys. 
Listen, last month, Tom Farkas, builder of Positively Hysterical, reached out to me and was like, hey, if I have a mini bot, would you want to drive it? And I was like, absolutely, yes. But I was basically expecting at any moment for him to say, you know what? I found someone who actually knows how to use a controller, a transmitter to do this. Uh, So sorry, you're out, which would have been the smart decision. Uh, I would not have blamed him, but you know, against all odds, (laughs) he still wanted me to do it on Saturday. I'll just say that I am super proud that you took Mouse Mouse, his his companion mini bot, and you used it very effectively. At one point, you had gotten under another opponent's wheel, uh, and you were flailing as 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 intended with your USB mouse tail, and. I at one point I was up in the uh, the pits, and I don't remember who I was standing with. It was a group of complete strangers, and I saw the joy on your face, and you were you were driving very well. And I just turned to this group, and I was like, "Oh my god, I love this woman!" And they looked at me like, <laughs> "Oh, okay." And then I was like, "No, no, no, that's my wife." <laughs> and then they were like, "Oh, all right, all right, that makes sense." It was such a thrill. It was it was like truly pure joy. I get now why people uh, do this. <laughs> it makes sense. And not only that, but so we we lost our first fight in a judge's decision. I think it was pretty close. We won our qualify. I don't know, you know, our, our tournament match and also in a judge's decision, uh, which meant that we then had to go against Jameson Go and Aaron Fan with Hamshake. And, you know, and anyone who listens to this podcast knows that Sawblaze is my favorite battle bot. Jameson Go is one of my favorite builders of all time. So, like, getting to go <laughs> and head-to-head <laughs> with Jameson Go was just silly. It was, it was so funny and fun. And uh, Tom was like, all right, here's the plan. You're going to charge. You're going to distract them. And then that'll give me time to like get up and because, you know, positively hysterical, not a fast moving bot, but to handshakes credit, neither are they. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I went and I drove right up against them. I kind of pinned their side for a second. I spun distracted them long enough in my opinion yeah lost an ear that's okay uh eventually lost just our our switch sheared right off um but man it was so cool uh thank you tom and uh i i just can't say enough good stuff about positively hysterical i can't wait to see it and it is um also like giving me some ideas that you could like use that walking mechanism with other types of weapons. Um, although why would you want something other than an aggressive stamper? Yeah. Whose main goal is just to use a custom made stamp pad that Tom carved by hand, by hand and, uh, and by paw, by paw <laughs> and uh, you know, leave a little stamp on your opponent. So um it was like you know for it being the new bot event of course we saw some dominant robots but we also saw the just delightful ones like positively hysterical um kill it with fire like that shouldn't work in any universe but it won a fight and i was so proud and so happy um 
there are there are some silly ones you know that's that's what it's all about at the end of the day i think too is uh like tom wrote on the back of positively hysterical hashtag keep nhrl silly i cannot agree more well said uh lindsey and tom um all right speaking of live events meanwhile catch live robot combat action this weekend in california washington state tennessee and las vegas in california UC Santa Cruz's combat robotics team, Slugbotics, is running fairyweights and antweights on Saturday at the school. In Washington State, Olympia High School will be running its first combat robotics competition ever, antweights and plastic antweights in two separate arenas. In Tennessee, it's going to be Maximum Mayhem 2 in Chattanooga this Saturday with fairyweights, antweights, and beetleweights. And finally, in Las Vegas, Vegas Combat Robotics is running its largest competition to date, Fairyweights, Antweights, and Beetleweights. Separately, BattleBots is launching its brand new live show this weekend in Las Vegas as well. Uh, so catch that Friday and Saturday, and then go to uh, the BCR event on Sunday. And finally, if you're on the hunt for an iconic piece of BattleBots memorabilia, Vita is auctioning off its 16-pound AR-500 hammer. It was bent into an S in its fight with Kraken. The auction ends Sunday, and bidding, as of this taping, did at just 290 pounds, which is roughly 358 freedom units. Look for the link on Vita's Facebook page. And that's it for this week's news. Now, before we get into our interview with Bunny and David, let's take a look back at episode four, which aired this past Thursday. We saw toughness and durability from Black Dragon and Malice, a classic grabby win for Overhaul, perhaps too many hits from Vita, <laughs> my warrior face on Shredder Pro, and Will Bales come out on top in a driving match with Whiplash. Your thoughts, I want to pause here on episode four. Just like the very first time that, uh, you know, I got to see Lindsay and I come out, um, you know, with uh, with Copperhead. Luke, seeing your lion's roar uh, alongside the rest of the, you know, the team for Shredded Bro was uh, one of the highlights of my entire life. And, <laughs> you know, it might be the most intense I've ever seen you. And maybe it's just the leather vest uh, and the sunglasses, <laughs> but... I was like, holy cow, my brother-in-law, Luke, is a badass. Yeah, that's never happened before. I mean, were you were you a little intimidated, Chris? I mean, when you saw my face and I was I was doing like the little like shout and I was wearing my leather. Were you intimidated? I I was. I was really intimidated. And, <laughs> um, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to I'm going to just let Luke do his thing for a little while and I'm just going to back off and uh, that's that's fine. All right. I guess I guess I I, I I I would love to tell you like the whole shredded story. I mean like um if if you'll indulge me. Um because like in that moment when we won the judges decision, I honestly had no idea which way it was going to go and I was preparing like both my sad face and my happy face and um yeah, it was it was a truly like genuine moment of surprise and just joy. Um I I I like okay, um the shredded story was actually really interesting this season. Um so I I joined the team, I arrived in Vegas and for like the first 3 days I was just running errands. Like um we like the battle box is like in the center of Vegas. Our Airbnb was like on the like one opposite end of Vegas, like in the backyard, it was like the desert, you know? And then our leather store was on the other side of Vegas. So like I would drive from the Airbnb to the battle box 
I would drive to like the hardware store, come back to the battle box. I'd go to the leather store, hang out there, bikers for like an hour or two, <laughs> drive all the way back to the Airbnb to walk Evan's dog. Um, like it was a really, really just, I don't know, just a lot of errands, right? Meanwhile, like in the pits, we're trying to to get Shredder Bro into fighting condition. And there's like a lot of work that's happening in those first couple of days to get us ready. One of the things that nobody knows, but I guess I'll reveal here on the show, is that Shredder Bro was initially accepted into the season as an alternate. So there were like a couple of, of alternate bots. Um, and the idea was that an alternate would take over a quote unquote like main show bots entire season schedule if that um, like main show bot wasn't able to pass safety. So for us, we were assigned double tap. So double tap was initially um, brought on as like a full show like bot. Um, and so double tap, their, uh, their pit area was right next to ours as well. And so for like the first three days, four days maybe, um, their pit table was empty. There was nobody there. There was no robot there. And people were so curious about what was happening with Double Tap. And so we'd heard all these rumors. We heard that they were secretly building the robot in a separate location. Uh, we heard that there were some problems with the robot and they were trying to test them offsite. It was just very mysterious. Um, and so the producers gave double tap a really hard deadline. Like you have to come in by X date at this time and you have to pass safety. And if you don't, we're gonna give your schedule to Shredder Pro. So probably like three or four hours before that deadline, um, double tap arrived and they were like the most intimidating team like to come in. They were wearing their full like team outfits which they all look like secret service kind of like members right they had like these little earpieces and black sunglasses and they're they're um they're, they rolled in in like black escalates yes. too yeah like totally blacked out escalades you know um with the double tap logo on them and everything right the ostrich air logo um and they're they're bringing over this robot, and it is the most complicated and beautiful thing I've ever seen in my freaking life. It looks like an art piece. Um, Double Tap is going to be appearing on BattleBots, I believe, this following week. I'm, I'm almost positive. And it is just gorgeous. I'm looking at this thing. It looks like an alien piece of technology. And, and like, the whole day we had been, like, counting down the hours, you know? And it was, like, three hours to go. And they're... They're working on the robot. Everybody in the pits has come over to take a look at the inside of this robot. And they are just like, wow, this thing is incredible, right? And like, it's two hours to go, it's one hour to go. And they finally put the robot into the test box and it fails safety. And like, we squeaked in and took over their schedule. So they were initially supposed to fight Horizon for their first fight of the season. Um, and I'm assuming we would probably have fought Doomba, um, but we took over their their schedule. Um, so, like a lot of people wonder, like what happened to Shredder Bro, like in that first fight. Um, I learned a lot about Shredder Bro. <laughs> learned a lot about heavyweights. You know, um, kind of the short answer was we had Vesk Gremlins. So Vesk is like this open source 
hardware and software that um, runs like electric skateboards and drones and stuff, right? Like other kind of electric gadgets. And combat robot builders have adopted these vests and they push them to their limits um, by customizing them through software to run these 250 pound robots. And it's really interesting because um, there's like a dark magic around VESC. So like, um, <laughs> for example, um, someone will say like, oh, uh, do you, do you want to you get a little bit more power out of your VESC? Like what you have to do is you've got to go into settings, go down and put the chip into test mode, and then um, tell the chip that your electric skateboard like weighs like 1400 pounds. And um, you're like, what? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the only way to like make it like spin a weapon, you know? Um, you're like, okay, all right. And then they're like, well, you know, like an electric skateboard is not designed to to sit idle for too long before it turns itself off. So you got to like definitely turn off that setting. And uh, they don't want the electric skateboard to like rocket to 250 miles an hour. So they have to turn off the safety settings as well, um, or else it's going to take forever for your weapon to spin up. So we had Vesk Gremlin. And um, after our first fight, all of these people in the pits, just all of these teams came forward and they really graciously were like, I'll take a look at all your best settings and um, tune stuff up. So like some of our driving, some of our, our weapon stuff that you see is really just like working out all of these kind of dark magic um, pieces. It was super interesting to watch, um, really, really cool. And I cannot wait for you to see the rest of our fights uh, for the season as we improve our VESCs, you know, settings, as we kind of like change some of the physical properties on the robot itself. Um, it's really, really interesting. So uh, I am stoked to see, uh, you know, Shredit's uh, remaining fights for the season. Um, I feel like I've talked a lot about <laughs> Shredded Brown Horizon, um, which arguably was the least exciting fight of the night, but certainly the most exciting of my entire career. I was just absolutely loved it. Um, any other thoughts on the six other fights? Um, I really was surprised at how the Malice fight went. Um, that I really thought that that was going to be a completely different fight than it was. And for the first you know, two-thirds of it, it was a different fight than it was. Um, so that was my big, I guess, shocker. I know I got like, what, four, four out of the seven right this time around. Uh, but that was the one that really surprised me. Um, it was a really good episode. I feel like the fights were not as crazy as they have been in the past few episodes. Um, and it was the other big thing for me, just because I am an old combat robot nerd, uh, is that Jason Marston joined the beta team. And I really was not aware of that until... Um, this fight, and they had a very Thor-like hammer. Um, and then I saw Jason on the team, and I was like, oh, cool, that's great. They're combining hammerbot powers in Great Britain now. Um, so that, that was really neat for me. Um, I will say, having been the one that interviewed the, the, um, the Double Tap team, listening to them talk about this competition and their plans for staying secretive and their plans for staying out of the pits as long as they could. So nobody could see what they were working on and how uh, they were planning this big intimidation game. I was kind of giggling because I don't think they knew that um, while BattleBots is competitive, it's also just a bunch of friends getting together for summer camp. And <laughs> they didn't, they didn't know that that was an aspect of it. So when I said, this is going to be a great networking opportunity, you're going to meet awesome people. Um, they were like, 
yeah, yeah, we'll meet them after we beat them. And it was like, okay, buddy. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that, that, that was one of the things um, that they told me later. So, um, you know, we hung out with them, obviously, because they were our pit crew neighbors. And they were floored at the community. They were like, they were like, we really thought that this was one of those competitions where you put a big um, like drape over your robot. You don't share any information, <laughs> but it was like legitimately people like the night that they had to pass safety, like the entire witch doctor, like pit area cleared out. Every single person came over to look and to help. Um, like people were looking at the motors they were using, the batteries they were using, like everything. And they were making these really good, like solvable, actionable suggestions where they're like, look, you know, um, before your first fight, you could probably run out and get like this different type of motor because it's going to work better with this. PC. And like, um, it was like they, they came forward and they're like, we just didn't know like how open and welcoming the BattleBots community is. And they were like, we're just, we're, we're floored. Like it's, it's such a, such a cool, um, cool feel, you know? And it didn't take them long to catch on either. Um, you know, at one point there was something that Copperhead needed help with. Um, and they, we didn't even ask anyone, you know, we weren't like searching for help, but they recognized that there was something that they could help us with. And, uh, they were so happy and excited to do so and, and offered, you know, their services and just completely took care of it for us. So like, that's so heartwarming. Yeah. Props to them. Like they could have held on to their, you know, whatever they thought, you know, they were going into and then kind of, you know, held on to that. But once they were the, once they kind of got a little more comfortable with the setting, like they yeah. embraced it wholeheartedly. And I'm really excited to see them. Uh, I, I hope that they come back next year because uh, I, I think that, you know, they're, they're like a, a solid team of good people. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, okay. Um, now, uh, last week, we had 60 people send in predictions uh, for Thursday night's fights. Uh, and surprisingly, uh, or I guess not surprisingly, we only had one person successfully call seven out of seven fights correctly. And that person was Stephanie Spooner. So congratulations, Stephanie. Uh, I also want to give a special shout out to Richard Sum, who managed to call six out of the seven fights correctly. He was the only one to call six out of seven. Um and uh, he failed to get a perfect score by picking Kraken over Beta, which, to be fair, was a very close fight indeed. Now, the upset of the week was absolutely Malice beating Emulsifier, with the vast majority of fans picking the rookie Vert over the veteran. Um, so, yeah, that, that was absolutely a bracket buster uh, fight of the week. All right. Now, with all that said, I'd love to get into predictions for this week's fight card with our very own Kyle Gross. Kyle, as you said, you got four out of seven fights correctly last week, which was honestly a pretty good score, given a very challenging <laughs> week for predictions. Most yeah. people got like two or three. Um, okay, so let's jump in uh, to this week's predictions, starting with two classically very tough robots, Minotaur versus Free Shipping. Your thoughts here, Kyle? Oh, man, this is the brand new Free Shipping, too. Uh, still have to give this one to Minotaur. They're going to eat those wheels. They're going to eat them. They're just going to eat them. Okay. All right, Minotaur. All right, uh, on to our second bet of the night. Ribops versus a very zippy Claw Viper. Yeah, this is going to be a really cool fight. 
Um, I have to give it to Ribot, but uh, I could very easily be wrong, and I would be really happy to be wrong. Mm. Uh, on to two titans in the sport, Sables versus Lockjaw. Oh, I love you, Donald, and I never want to bet against you, but that just all gets thrown out the window when you're talking about Jameson Go. The dude's on a tear. Like, he's he, he's going to win that fight. There, there's just the shape of Lockjaw is, like, all all wrong. It, it's it's going to go to, to Sawblaze. Hey, we've got two meta-breaking designs, Huge versus Lip. Yeah, this um, this is just bad rock, paper, scissors for Blip. Um, although these guys are mm. so weird, it's more like uh, rock, paper, scissors, horseshoes, Christmas trees. Apricot. Pa- yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that this is just not great for Blip. It, how, what are they going to flip? What are they going to touch? How are they going to get there? Are they going to do a unicorn horn like Bronco that one time? That didn't work out. I'm going to give this one huge. Those wheel. Okay, all right. Uh, next fight of the night, the fire-prone fusion versus Witch Doctor. <laughs> what a cool fight, uh, Witch Doctor. Okay, all right. Cool. Um, and brand new bots on extreme, absolute extreme ends of the total cost chart. Uh, we've got Double Tap on one end versus Doomba very much on the other end. Uh, your thoughts here on this fight? Um... So I we've interviewed both of these teams, and I know that whilst they are both new bots, Doomba team is full of very experienced people who, while all of those people are silly people, very silly people, they also know how to build heavyweight combat robots um, and have done many in the past. So I'm going to go with Doomba. All right, the dark horse of Doomba. I love it. And uh, finally, our main event of the night, Rival versus Lynx. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Riptide versus Mad Catter. Your thoughts on this fight? Uh, first of all, the drama. Oh, the drama of this fight. I absolutely love that this is going to happen. I cannot wait to see what happens with it. Um, man, this is, this is one where who I want to win is not going to win. So I'm going to give it to Riptide. Mm. Wow. Okay. Very good. All right. Now, if you think you're smarter than Mikhail, go to our Facebook page today to send us your predictions for this week's fights. After the break, our interview with Bunny and David. This week on the podcast, we have two very special returning guests, Malice Captain Bunny Lau and her husband, David. We're here to tell us everything they're legally allowed to say about the brand new live show, Battle Boss Destructathon. We had originally scheduled Greg Munson to appear this week, but sadly, Greg ended up canceling at the last minute due to a scheduling conflict. However, we have someone who might be even better, but he knows a lot about the live show. BattleBots paid her to build five full copies and two spare frames for Malice for the show, and she's been on site for the last couple of days, helping them get ready for the show's opening, which will happen this Friday. We're looking forward to learning a lot more about the show in the hour ahead. So welcome back to the pod, Bunny and David. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, First off, huge congratulations for getting married. Um, That is so exciting. Bunny, I think that uh, you certainly married the best David on Team Malice and possibly the best David on the planet. So, uh, So huge congratulations there. I thank you. I think I married the best David too. (laughs) 
Um, now, you were in Vegas for the last couple of days uh, delivering a ton of malices. Um, so I'm curious, I, I know you're back in California right now, but like, what was the vibe on the ground like as you were like helping them get the show ready in the, the last couple of days before the opening? Well, actually, we delivered the Malices a couple weeks ago. I went back personally on Friday because, you know, there's always so much last minute stuff to do. Um, and, you know, it's always so hectic and there's and there's it, putting on a show like this is such a big undertaking. So even though we had delivered and I wasn't really, you know, scheduled to be out there uh when they call you up and say, Hey, we, we could really use some help. I'm, I'm happy to jump, jump in and get there. So I got, he called me Thursday night and I jumped on a plane the next morning. So Friday morning, I got there at around 11 and there's, you know, just so much work all the time. It, 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 with any robot build in general, you're going to find that once you get the robots and get them settled, it doesn't matter how much preparation you put into them beforehand. There's always going to be little things that you're so tired when you're working on them, you miss, you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. really important to have someone with, with experience out there showing, showing everyone how to get them prepared safely and efficiently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're they're really lucky that, that you were out there helping out. Um, I, I was I was saying <laughs> we were randomly talking about you like a couple of days ago. Like I, obviously we didn't know you were gonna be on the show this week, and I, I told Chris and Lindsay I think that when Greg and Trey retire, that you would be the perfect person to take over BattleBots. Um, <laughs> so you know, like it's uh, it's cool that you're getting that kind of like uh, on the ground experience. You know, so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I will be retired in Tahiti with them. I will be on the beach <laughs> next to them when they retire. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, oh, no, um, no, I was very happy to go out there. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of work and I very much appreciate them doing it. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, we got so many questions about Destructathon. We got like 75 or 80 questions from the fans. And I was able to update our Discord and say that we were going to have you on. So we got a bunch of like bunny specific questions, uh, specifically okay. around Destructathon. <laughs> so, um, so some of these will just be aimed right at you. And I'll tell you when we're kind of transitioning over to the questions that were originally for Greg. But um, yeah, so in terms of Malice specific questions, start okay. with a good two part question from Fallout Builder Matt Lantry, who wants to know. How did Malice end up as one of the showbots? Was there an application process or was it an invite that they extended to you? Um, a little bit of both. Uh, so when they were doing the live show, they, they contacted all the builders and said, you know, who, who would like to build for this? Who thinks they can deliver uh, the time? As with anything BattleBots, the timeline was a little bit short and uh, there was a lot of work to do. So um, David and I were really great at short timelines and lots of work. So, so we, we called Greg up and uh, he's and told him we'd like to build for it. And uh, he told us to contact Trey and we did. Um, and we had to present a slideshow well he, he wanted a like a a one-page slideshow but i'm bunny so i don't do that um <laughs> and and so we had to prove why we thought malice would be the best for the live show and and what we had to bring to the table for the live show that's really cool um i mean obviously they they liked your pitch like why was why was malice a really good choice for 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 a showbot well, Malice is, is such a unique design. No other robot that I'm aware of uses the clamshell design in heavyweight robots. And for a show like 
Destructathon, where you're going to be going through a lot of side parts. It's actually very much cheaper to maintain a design like Malice because instead of having to replace an entire side panel, um, our two side panel, our side panel is two pieces compressed together. So if one part of the the side gets damaged, you can just replace that tiny part instead of having to buy a whole new panel. And it also allows them more flexibility to change out uh, maybe just a small portion of the robot and have that be like a breakaway piece or or you know add fun and interesting things to it got it cool matt has a second question do you have any idea how they decided upon all the bots for the show because i mean like they're there's really really unique set of robots you know for, for the show did they tell you uh, Trey was the final call. He was the one who who dis- who decided. So he he got all the pitches, and he decided who he wanted. I don't know what goes on in Trey's mind. Got it. All right. Uh, we've got a good question here from Bloodsport team member Seth Schaefer, who runs Just Cause Robotics. Seth wants to know. I would love to hear more details about what requirements you had to design to uh, when you were building your uh, uh, Malice Showbots. Why exactly five bots uh, were the target, and in general, how different? Most of the showbots are from their full competitor versions. Okay, that's a that's a two part question too. Um, <laughs> so uh, there was quite a lot of of requirements that we had to go through. Uh, we had to do specialty battery boxes. Um, I don't know why they chose five. That was a that was a tray decision as well. I'm assuming. I actually don't know if that was a tray decision. All I know is that's what they asked us for. Um, we did have to go through a list of shared components um, to make sure that the parts that we were using were going to be compatible with other showbots. Um, let's see, what else? Well, they wanted then, to make sure that we could source the material yeah. if they're shared. Right. And right. the battery is, we all have the same exact battery and we have all the same switches. So we can't deviate from those two. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so we had to use the same switches, the same right. batteries, um, everything else. Trey was wanted every robot to be unique. Trey, you know, uh, some people suggested that he use one person to build all the showbots, but Trey did not like that idea. Trey wanted it to be true to real battle bots and have all these amazing, unique designs come together and create this amazing show. Got it. Cool. Um, we've got L, uh, questions from LJ from Team Wrong Angle who writes, "Hey Bunny, how have you all prepared the showbots for durability? Like, uh, I guess that's a big question that a lot of people ask. You know, um, kind of fighting robots every single night, I feel like would take a big hit on durability of the design." Oh, absolutely, for sure. Um, we 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 actually used uh, live show malice to not have any, I'm sorry, I apologize. We, we designed Live Show Malice to not have as many UHMW parts because the, the weight limit was more of a guideline. Um, there wasn't really a weight limit. We, they were very clear about that. They're like, if it's going to be cheaper, make it heavier if you can. You know what I'm saying? As long as it's going to be cheaper, uh, that's, that's great. So we, we switched out everything that was UHMW and Malice to steel uh which gives more protection against the big hits and was cheaper to manufacture so um everything's thicker everything's uh just more robust and and a lot and a lot heavier so it's just well more the internals that are expensive are more well protected than in Mm. tv show malice got it 
I mean, uh, this brings up a really good kind of bonus question, but like fully loaded, like ready to go Showbot Malice, how much does it weigh? We estimate about 305 pounds, but we haven't. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, cool. Um, LJ has a couple more questions. Is there an expectation of knockouts during Destructathon or are they simply going to fight and then go to the judges? Actually, uh, no, there's no expectation at all. The fights are not scripted. Whoever wins, Mm wins they wanted that to be very authentic and real um so they're not scripting the fights they are choosing who you're fighting just like any other you know battle bots competition they get to choose who you're fighting but the fights are not scripted you get to go and whoever wins wins nice um one more question from lj how often does your team plan to be there while the event is running i can't wait to see these bots in action Um, You know, we don't know. Uh, I know we're going to be there the first opening weekend. We want to support them and make sure it's as successful as it can be that first weekend. But we have other, we have a life. We are going to Tokyo. We want to travel. We're a little burnt out on robots. We've been doing robots for probably seven months nonstop because we got, Mm. we had to get ready for, you know, the season seven filming, the world championship seven filming. And then immediately after that, we started building live show Malice. We have not had a break. I get off, I have three full-time jobs. I get off my job at Sun Sun, David gets off his job, and we would immediately go down and work on ma- on things for Live Show Malice. It has been non-stop for about seven months now, so we're a little burnt out. So I, I'll be there as much as possible, but really the first weekend, I, I'm not certain after that. Cool, yeah. Um, Ryder Lee Engel has a good question. Uh, Ryder Lee Engel writes, like many bots, Malice has different weapon configurations for different fights. Is that kind of variety going to be seen in the show bots, or are they all designed to be a single configuration? As of right now, all of them were designed to be a single configuration. I do know that they hope to expand that in the future. Um, we went with Drumstick for the show bots um, uh, due to its the cheap way to maintain it you know right now keeping those costs down is really important we really want this show to be a success right so we got to get as much action as we can for as little money as possible got it um repeat robotics owner slash horizon team member peter garnash has a cost question uh he writes i know malice season one was like eighty five thousand dollars. what all changed in order to make five mali within the battlebots budget Okay, first off, season one Malice was $85,000 because there was three of them. I feel like people missed that a lot. And I I don't know how they missed that. It was about $30,000 a robot, which was not unreasonable. It was on the pricier side, but it was Mm. not unreasonable for how, like, because it was right during COVID. During COVID, so we had to go through uh, U.S manufacturers only and it was you know it was rushed so we like like for what we got it was amazing um we got the cost of life show malice down quite a bit just by buying everything in bulk when you're buying enough parts for five it's a lot cheaper than buying enough parts for one so um yes it was expensive it's not i'm not gonna say it wasn't it was it was still very expensive but it Overall, Malice is not a lot more than the average robot. And I think that people see this big number and they think that's one robot. But we're one of the most prepared teams like every year. So we we, we spend that money up front so we don't have to scramble so much at the event. Right, exactly. Um, all right, let's transition to questions about the show itself. A lot of these were originally designed for Greg. So, um, you know, if you hit yeah. a question oh. where uh, only Greg knows, just say, yeah, that's a question for Greg. Um, sure. Okay. 
Uh, got a question here from Christy Fletchrow who writes, I love this concept. How long are the events? Uh, the shows are going to be an hour and a half, I believe. Yeah. 80 minutes, 80, 80 to 90 minutes. Um, so they're going to be 80, 80 to 90 minutes. They're running Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I believe they're trying to do two shows on Saturday, but they're not yet. Got it. Christy asks, are there multiple fights per show? I'm assuming so. Yes, yes there's multiple fights per show. Um, I believe they're shooting for five fights as of right now, but I'm not, that is subject to change. Uh, that is a great question. So uh, I know they are shooting for multiple multiple fights per, per session though. Got it. Uh, I got some good questions here from BattleBot superfan Alexander Archer. How different is Destructathon from previous BattleBots competitions? You know, I don't, feel like it's too much different other than there's just less robots. I think, you know, they're really trying to stay true to the heart of, of BattleBots uh, regular competition. I think that they're doing the very best they can to integrate the 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 feeling of real BattleBots and, and the, the, you know, excitement of real BattleBots. Got it. Um, is the only way to see Destructathon if you go live or will fans be able to tune in on a live stream or uh, is it going to appear as a TV special or something like that? I, that is a great question. As far as I know, right now, this is just me because I don't know. As far as I know, the only way to see it is live. Got it. Is Destructathon a way for potential rookies and or veterans whose BattleBots careers are iffy to prove that they belong in the main televised BattleBots seasons by winning fights at Destructathon? So um, I was I asked Greg if I was allowed to talk about this. Yes. So a uh, starting in March or April, they're not certain on the um, date yet. They are creating an amazing system for rookie bots and people to come through. They're going to create a little show inside of Destructicon called I think it's called Proving Time. I, it was proving something. I think it was Proving Time. And what they're going to do is they're going to open it up to anyone with a heavyweight robot that meets. BattleBot safety rules and guidelines um, to come in and show what they what they're made of and see if they're good enough to be on the show and and prove themselves and 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 make it wonderful. So so I think that they're really going to try to give make this a jumping off point for the TV show. Oh, they will not nice. be fighting live show robots though, <laughs> right? They, right. May, they may or may not. We don't know. Right. Yeah, that, that was a big question. Because I mean, like, so I, I guess like kind of the core question that so many people want to know is like, is a full like a uh, bracket, I guess, like competitive malice, like, would it absolutely tear through its showbot version of it? You know, like, are the showbot versions like as strong as the No, the, we really you know, don't know. Regular? We really don't know. Um, because live show malice is so much heavier and made of mm. stronger materials than BattleBots malice. Um, even though BattleBots malice is slightly more powerful, we did we did tune down the the weapon motor slight, you know, and that was not a request. They we did that on our own because we wanted them to be cheaper. Um, mm. They actually some of the robots are more powerful in Destructathon than they are <laughs> than they are on the TV show. But for the most part, uh, we wanted them to have you know a cheap show that has really big hits anyways. So uh, it does hit a little softer, but I think it could still because there's so much extra weight behind it. I think it could still do a lot of damage to TV show malice. Awesome. We'll find out. I'll try um, to go and, we, and fight them together. I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Uh, we've got some good questions here from Stephanie Spooner, who asks, I know that actors are being hired to act as the teams. Will they also learn how to drive the robots or will professional drivers be hired? I have no idea. That's a great question. Yeah. I think you answered this one. Can we expect guest appearances from teams every now and then? Yes, Probably. Absolutely. Whenever they are, it is an open invitation for, for all the builders. So. Yeah. Um, I think that you touched on this a little bit. How will you incorporate new builders who want to audition for world championships into the show? I guess like they can just sign up through this new website that's going to be opening up. Um, and then last question, will homemade signs be allowed at the show like they are for the world championships? I'm assuming so, right? I, I don't know. I, that, that is a great <laughs> question. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. We'll um, find out Friday. <laughs> yeah, this is a good like philosophical question um, from Argon Lights builder Jamie Shawcross, who writes, I'd be interested to hear how much BattleBots is targeting casual walk-ins versus hardcore fans of the show and what sort of factors they're balancing around that. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm not yeah. Greg. I, I built the robots and, and that's all I did. I, I was happy. Oh, I did talk to some of the actors. They were very nice. Um, I, like, cause when I was there, I explained to, you know, how much it means to all of us. And, and a lot of the actors were um, going through their first walkthrough of what they're expected uh, from them. And so I, I went through a lot of that, but I didn't really do any sort of that's all Greg. That's all the back end, you know, marketing right. stuff. I was yeah. there to help make sure that the robots were ready. <laughs> so wait, so did Greg and Trey find like a bunny, like lookalike for, for to drive malice? <laughs> I mean, like, or does every team like have their own actors? No, you know, the, the actors there, they are not um, going to be pretending that they are, you know, had any, any, any part in the design or the building of these robots. These, they're there to, to, to be excited, to be part of the team, to to right. help us just make these robots seem as exciting as possible, to to build up the hype for these robots. They're they're there to genuinely be our cheerleaders and make sure that these robots are getting the love they deserve. Yeah. Um, one more question from me, and then I'm going to pass it over to my friends uh, Lindsay and Chris. Um, we've got a kind of interesting question, I would say, about production for Mario Cast. Um, so we're like, is the idea that they're going to play, like, these kind of hype videos before, say, Malice comes in with, like, your biggest hits and, like, maybe a shot of you, you know, welcoming everybody to the show or something like that? Like, I is there going to be... I don't know if anyone be... else did it, but I got to. Yeah, okay, nice. <laughs> I have no idea if anyone else did it, because I, I, I haven't talked to anyone else about it. But I got to... I recorded one. I sat on a, my throne of... Mal I made um, I made a lot of references to, like, uh, Daenerys Stormborn from, from Game of Thrones. Nice. I... I made my little throne of malices and I sat on it and I was like, this is live show malice and I'm excited for it to be here. And, and it's going to break the chains. It's going to be awesome. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I don't know if anyone else did it, but I did. And they showed me mine and it was really fun. And it was, um, I really enjoyed it. I don't know if anyone else did it, but they showed me mine. Amazing. That's good. All right. I'm going to turn you over to my friend, Lindsay. Hello, Bunny. Hello, David. Uh, I have some more questions from writer Lee Engel. Um, <clears throat> so I know that, you know, we already covered uh, that these events won't be streamed anywhere, but can the audience record these non-televised fights and then like maybe post them online? I'm so sorry. I don't know. That's a great question. 
<laughs> no worries, no worries. Um, all right, so he goes on to ask, I've seen some of the teases of classic bots like Nightmare, Tazbot, Overkill, El Diablo, and Ginsu uh, brought back as show bots. How hard was it to modernize these uh, to modern standards? And what was oh uh, the decision-making that went into the choices of these bots? Bunny, can you speak to these very different bots? I, I worked on a few of them while I was there, and none of them... <laughs> true they they all had the new battery right they all had to go within the the lifey batteries and everything like that but you know it was so for me because i've been doing this so long it was so fun to go back and see some of the old tech that that was brought back you know what i'm saying npc motors and and i saw a vantech speed controller um and i haven't seen a vantech speed controller since i was like 15 so it was um <laughs> some of them were not modernized for sure and you know what there's nothing wrong with that because some of that old tech even though the, the reason we went away from it was because it was heavy not because it was bad it's actually some of it was more reliable than the, the stuff we have currently it just weighs too much so it was really fun for me to go back and see all the old tech this weekend i that was probably i loved you know, I love working on robots. It's my favorite part of the sport. I, that's, if I could just do that, I would. Um, so for me, like being able to go and work on all these different types of robots and see all the tech coming together, it was so fun and such a great thing. So some of them have not been modernized. Some of them have. All of them are using the same battery. So at least in that case, I mean, it's not like we're going back to SLA batteries like we had when I started. So um but yeah, definitely a mix of old and new, and it's it's going to be great. It's not that the old stuff was bad. It's just that it was heavy. That's awesome. Um, that's really cool. I'm sure that was a, like a blast yeah, and like a throwback. It was great. It felt like home. Yeah. I love that. That's really sweet. Um, all right. So his next question is, I already asked about the updated Comedy Central era bots, but how do the modern bots like Hypershock, Witch Doctor, or Scorpios compare to the versions that fight in the world championships? Is the power toned down to make things easier to repair, or do they still hit as hard as their TV versions? I know we kind of covered that a little bit, but I don't know if there's uh, anything Scorpios else you want to there, so, But Witch Doctor and Hypershock will be there. Um, Witch Doctor and Hypershock, they hit... I think they hit harder. I was listening to... I, I actually got to drive... I got to drive Witch Doctor. I now understand the four-wheel vert. I get it. I get it. I'm sold. Sold. Four-wheel malice coming up. Um, the, uh, no, seriously. It was like the best. Um, but the sound... You know, I, I've heard Witch Doctor a lot, and it does not sound as powerful as it sounded at Destructathon. And actually, like, what you were saying just there about, like, oh, you know, learning from driving Witch Doctor... Um, how cool would like a four wheel drive malice be? But I almost wonder if there's going to be, um, a learning opportunity for like teams to learn from the showbot version of their bots and like maybe rethink, uh, the design for the competition bot. Like maybe, like, I, I don't know. I, I know that you guys won't be the ones like there driving it every day and repairing it. So that some of that experience might not transfer but i do wonder if there's going to be any teams who see like oh you know i like this thing that we did in the show bot i think teams are always learning i think teams yeah i think just the building process probably taught them something i don't think that there's ever a time where any of the builders don't learn you know like i think that it's i think that's one of the best things about the builders we're always constantly evolving and, and taking in new information and and really putting it 
and really applying it and putting it to use. So I think I'm sure everyone that built for the live show learned something and is going to apply it to their their TV show build. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, all right. So uh, his last question, can you tell us more about the driving crew? Are they drivers who have experience by regularly fighting in smaller weight classes or are they staff that have been, you know, just trained for the event? I have no idea. No problem. <laughs> um, all right. So we have some great questions from BattleBot Superfan and Horizon team member Mary Catherine Carr. Uh, should we think of Destructathon as the medieval times of BattleBots? And no knock on that because I love medieval times. I also love medieval times, but absolutely not. Um, Destructathon, they are not scripting the fights. These are going to be real, genuine fights. They're not, they're not making these scripted. I, when I first started, I thought they were going to genuinely, when I first built, when I, we first started building, I thought they were going to script these fights, but they're making this as true to true battle bots as they possibly can. So they, they were telling the actors when I was there, it doesn't matter who wins, who loses. Here's what you do. If, if your team wins, this is what you do. If your team loses, this is what you do. Um, and, and, or if it's a judge's decision, this is what you do. So they are, they are really making this as true to real BattleBots as possible. So while there, while the fights will be, you know, the same fights over and over again, the the fighting will be real. So everything will be exciting, and and I'm so ex- just ecstatic to see it because you know sometimes you'll see like like as the drivers improve, like maybe maybe there'll be some crazy knockouts. And um, I know for a fact Live Show Malice sits on it on its butt. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um so mary actually goes on to ask some really excellent questions unfortunately i think these are all you know very production related and in greg's wheelhouse so i will i will spare you and if we ever have greg on the show mary i'll be sure to ask um so i'm gonna move on to nick volcano who has uh, a short list of questions himself um, so what's the overall layout of the show outside of the fights? Will there be walkouts with introductions like in the show? Uh, do you have any insight yes. on what will happen in between fights? Um, I imagine, you know, this also may be something that you don't have a ton of insight into, but, um, you know, it's something that a lot of people I don't are. have a ton of insight. I do know there's going to be at least some walkouts because when I'm going, um, they, they're gonna, they're gonna have me walk out. So, and I know they have the teams to do, you know, like, like, to genuinely bring you real facts about malice and, and to show how much they are involved with it and how much they love it. So um, the people they got really genuinely love the robots and they really genuinely want to share them. So I think that, I think they're going to involve, I think it's going to be very similar to, to the TV show walkouts. Cool. Yeah. I, I would have hoped that they'd keep that element because i think it's a great like hype mechanism i think that yeah yeah i don't know too much but i i think that they probably want as many builders as they can to come out and be part of it so to feel the same you know like like to give the walkouts and things like that so yeah um do you know if each bot is getting its own designated drivers and pit crew or will it be a handful of people doing repairs and driving duties across multiple bots um I, I, I don't know. I know that each team has a team of four, but that some of the people are shared between the teams. Cool. I think that that makes sense. Um, all right. So maybe this is something that um, they've consulted builders on. Uh, if a weapon or frame or something like that gets damaged beyond repair, what's the process for getting a replacement? 
Uh, will you work yeah, coming with the to the builders? Uh, if they if it's something that builders want to provide, they're going to the builders. If it's something that the builders don't want to provide, they'll they'll handle manufacturing it on their own. I do know they're you know like 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 they're doing their best to keep costs down. So if it's going to be a lot cheaper for them to machine it in house, uh, they are going to be running their own machine shop. Um, but they they're not cutting out the builders in any way. If if the builders want to provide it, they they will. That's cool. Um, I have my own follow-up question on that. Do you think, like, I imagine, you know, the bots, even if they don't get destroyed after a fight, they'll probably take some wear and tear. Do you think that they're going to, like, make them look brand new for each fight? Or do you think, like, some of the bots will go in kind of showing some of that uh, prior battle damage? Like like a real bot and, and, you know, a season would. I'm not certain. I don't know. I, I would assume that they'll try to make it look as good as possible, but I'm sure it will show some wear and tear. I'm, I'm sure it won't be brand new every single time. Yeah. Even when I was there working on them, I scuffed them up a little bit and they were like, that's fine. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. So um, do you know if Jim is going to provide any classic style disco deaths for Nightmare or is it going to be the new blade style permanently? Not that there's anything wrong with the new blade. It's awesome and probably more effective. Um, same as Malice, I, I believe they want to expand in the future, but right now they're using the the bow tie that I that I posted on my Instagram, the bow tie, the new one that they have. Yeah, I'm sure it's the same as Malice, where they want to expand eventually, but right now just to make it as profitable as possible, so they can do this for as long as possible. They're they're sticking to one design. Cool. Um, all right, an interesting question from Jesse Malin. Uh, this is probably just pure speculation <laughs> on your part, but um, how long would you expect the five copies of each bot to last? For me, I think it depends on the robot. I think it depends on yeah. who they're fighting. I think it depends on a lot of factors. Uh, I think Malice will last quite a long time, um, but I, it depends on who we fight. It, it, it truly, like, there's so many, just like regular battle bots, you don't know because these, this is just like regular battle bots you don't know who you're fighting you don't know what's going on so it depends it depends <laughs> yeah yeah no that's that's fair i know I'll, like so many of these questions are so hypothetical and like this has never been done before it's never been done so. before it's such a new territory i think that's why there's so little information out there is because a lot of it is just what you know what we'll find out <laughs> let's do yeah. this together let's find out and let's make this amazing so and I imagine there's going to be a lot of learning as you go, as with literally anything. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that will be an aspect of it, too. Um, all right. So we have a, a good question from Mammoth team member Brandon Bennett Young. And, you know, this may also be more in Greg's territory. But just in case, um, will the show bots be updated to match their TV counterparts, too? I imagine um, if they run long enough for seasons to pass by, does this mean the Witch Doctor bots all have to get updated if the main bot gets upgrades too? I have no idea. Yeah, that's fair. We have a question from Copperhead team member Chad New. I think I've heard of that guy before, uh, who I suspect wants to build a heavyweight for Destructathon. Uh, what is the process of getting a tournament hopeful into the show to measure its worth? Uh, probably not a question that you can answer. I can answer it. I can. I can answer oh, that question. Okay. So in um, March or April, they're opening a website where you will be able to enter a battle bot that meets their safety guidelines and the show guidelines 
and rules for a for a Destructathon to come and enter their little mini tournament that they're putting into the show Destructathon. I think it's called Proving Time. I'm sorry if it's not. It's Proving Something, but I don't remember exactly what it's called. But you're going to be able to uh, in March or April. They're hoping to open this up, so anyone can build and come and fight it out in the in the Destructathon arena. Awesome. All right, so we have another question from Eric Wrigley from Bots FC. Um, who's asking if uh, real bots um, like such as Emulsifier can come fight the live show bots. And I know that that's still something that's being discussed. So yeah, we don't, we're not sure. I have no idea. Uh, that's a great question. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, all right. Ian Danger Miller, who competed at NHRL this past weekend with his bot Quicksand wants to know, do the less damaging show bots like Overkill and Tazbot have a fighting chance in this? Absolutely. I think they do. You know, with as with real BattleBots, anything can happen. It's the same. This is really true to the spirit of BattleBots and um, what we want, you know, to to show everyone what we want. We want it to be real and it's going to be real. So uh, they have a fighting chance, just like things can happen in regular BattleBots. Things can happen in Destructathon. I think it's actually going to be really thrilling to see some of those more classic designs go up against some of the more modern designs. And I know it would be next to impossible to, you know, have those builders revive their bots for the regular show, but having it at Destructathon is, is like, it's just going to be so unique. And I think uh, thrilling to see that. It feels so nice. You know, I, I grew up watching these robots and I grew up in this community and grew up watching these robots evolve over the time so going back to their originals it's it's it just feels so it's like like a like a settling that i haven't felt in so many in so long and and to be able to have been able to drive some of them and play with them it's like it was like going back to my kidhood (laughs) i love that and i think for a lot of fans like that's going to be a huge appeal um you know to come to the live show like filming the show is is a whole other game but to be able to see something you can't see you know, in a regular season is, is like such a big draw. Um, so it's kind of speaking uh, to those classic bots. Wilhan has a question. I don't know. Maybe you have some insight into this. Um, how much convincing did it take to get Donald, Christian, Zach, and Jim to revive their Comedy Central era heavyweights uh, and their bots? I have no idea. But if it's anything like Malice, it did not take any arm twisting <laughs> at all. <laughs> I have no idea, though. <laughs> Is there, uh, so Andrew Freitag wants to know, uh, for you personally, are there any Comedy Central era builders that are in Destructathon now, but you would love to see make a comeback? Mark's attracting, Mark's attracting, Mark's attracting, Mark's attracting. <laughs> I want a new Megadon. Yeah. Yes. And of course I love Warhead. I mean, like, I still, like, still to this day have his poster up in my garage. Aww. So Warhead, Megadon, all of them. I want all of them back. Snake. Bring them all. I don't care. Every last one of them. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. So uh, Jake Marcus has a good hypothetical, hypothetical question. If you could get the rights to build and bring back one giant nut winner from BattleBots history for Destructathon, who would it be? And he says, why is it Spaz? Spaz. How dare he? <laughs> Does he not know of all the glory of every other robot? Um, let's see. Giant nut winner. Probably, uh, you know who I think would be best? Uh, Biohazard. Ooh. I think Biohazard would be really good and new. You don't think so, David? David says no. Who would you choose? 
You've been so quiet this whole interview. It's like you're not even here. Who would you choose? <laughs> I have no idea. You have no idea. What about uh, Biohazard got Biohazard got wrecked. Yeah, what wrecked. About, okay, what about Mouser? You could bring back Mouser. Mouser make a cat a pink color of her Mouser face. <laughs> I have no idea what to bring you back. You have no, you have no idea. That's I don't know. You know who I, I bet? I bet they'd bring back Law Machine. Yeah, I'm almost surprised yeah. that it's not. Yeah, you know, but you know they're bringing back Ginsu, so you know that's 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 the really fun robot. Yeah. So. Um, all right, so related comment from Bloodsport team member Curtis Honeycutt. Uh, he says, we want Blendo. Okay, let me ask this in the form of a question. On a scale from 100 to 1 million, how much do we want Blendo? A million? All of them. Bring back all the robots. <laughs> I, I don't know how. I, I want all the robots back. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, 1 million is, I think, a, a legitimate answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So do you, this is a question from Crow to the Day. I apologize if I am uh, reading your username wrong. Um, but do you, in your knowledge, know if uh, the audience at Destructathon will have a similar experience of BattleBots that includes like the lighting? I imagine Farouk isn't going to be there, but you know, is there going to be like announcers? Uh, Farouk is not going to be there, but uh, he. But they they will have announcers. Um, uh, these this is actually public, so I think I can talk about it. Um, I see it on their Instagrams and their Facebooks, so I believe this is free. I'm sorry, Greg, if it's not. But there's uh, going to be Build Wire is going to be one of the announcers, and the other is a very nice Australian man named Stephen. And I know for a fact that Hypershock is Team Stephen, and I'm going to be Team Build Wire then, just to be contradictive to Hypershock. We have some really good questions from Zasa too, but all of them again are, are like very specific production level questions. So I'm going to hop over them um, and save them if we get uh, Greg on the show. Um, so I'm going to go back to Brandon Bennett Young from Team Mammoth um, who says, Hey bunny, thank you again for letting me into the BattleBots ecosystem. Really loved having you come play in the East and I hope to attend some events in the West one day too. Um, so for you, Bunny, what are your hopes for Destructathon? Uh, what kind of future do you see it developing into? I think it's going to be an amazing show. You know, it's going to be a lot of work those first few days, getting it all, you know, everything, every, like any show, it's going to be, there's going to be bugs to work out. There's going to be um, problems. I mean, that's just any show, right? But I think it's going to be amazing. I think it's going to be such a great experience. Um, I really enjoyed being out there and that it was really, really true to real battle bots. I was very concerned it was going to be like a medieval time kind of deal, but it wasn't. It was really true to the heart of the show. And I think they're really trying to maintain that. So I think with how much I love regular battle bots, I think this is going to be the exact same. All right, Bunny, thank you so much. We have a couple questions left, and for those, I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Christopher John DeSico. Hello, Bunny. Hi. How you doing? Very well, thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I've got a question here from huge team member Don Dorfler, who has a Marvel Comic Universe-related question. Oh, boy. Here we go again. He's he's just trying to beat Brad before Brad could ask it. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, Don Dorfler asks, Bunny, what do you think about Thanos? Oh, my God, Don. <laughs> We're going to talk about this later. We're going to talk about this later, Don. Not not appropriate for behind the bots. I don't know. What? 
what is it about this purple villain? I don't know. I don't understand why I have to ask so many builders about Thanos. I feel like we're. You we don't want to know. Asked you hundred questions know. about an inside joke that we have no insight into. Bunny, do you have any insight into the, why so many people are fascinated by Thanos? No, I have none. No, I have I, I, the first. The first. Uh, you know, Thanos club rule is you don't talk about Club Thanos. Oh boy. No, oh, now I'm. <laughs> There's something there. Oh boy, here we go. Another question about Thanos. Uh, we've got a related question from Brandon Bennett Young, who wants to know, Bunny, in your opinion, how many malices could take Thanos? Well, why is Brandon Brandon Bennett Young? You are not. You are not part of Club Thanos. I know this for a fact. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are we talking about but, Thanos? But how many Thanos could a Thanos 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 if a mouse right, could take, take Thanos? On, okay, because because I like to call David Iron Man. That's my like that's my like thing for him. I call him my Iron Man. Uh, I think that Malice could totally take a Thanos. So just one. So just the one answer mouse. to Brandon's one question mouse. is one mouse. In all the fourteen million, you know, yeah, in all the fourteen million universes, there's one Malice, and it's this one. You hear that, Brandon? Not part of Club Thanos. All right. Uh, I have a question here from outside of the box host, uh, Christine Giver, who writes, question from my mini-bot, Olivia. If Bunny could make a Mario Kart, what character would she want to drive it? Oh, we, I always try, I always play um, female Toad because David plays male Toad. We play um, Mario Kart like every week with Tina and Paul from Bite Force. I always played um, just one of the Koopa Troopas. I feel like, I, is that the, the most basic thing that you could choose? Koopa. Similar to Toad. Yeah, Koopa, a Koopa Troopa is basically just one of the lemmings for Koopa. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that one. I don't actually play Mario. I only play Mario Kart. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on Super, Mar Super Mario Kart. Like, I, I have heart palpitations to this day because the, you know, the intensity and the ferocity that I would play Super Mario Kart. Oh, how funny. Well, there you go, Christine. I love, I love Mario Kart. I'm not good at it. David's the one, David is the expert at Mario Kart. David's the one that, like, always wrecks everyone. David, did you ever play Super Mario Kart? Yes. I think when I was younger, they had this thing on Nintendo Power where you got a certain time, you could take a photo on your TV screen, and they'll give you a gold N64 controller, and I won that. I had a 50 gold N64 controllers, but I lost it when I got older. So It was his prized possession, that gold N64 controller. Wait, they took it away from you? No, he no, lost I it. I just lost it during a move. That oh. time. <laughs> this is before, like, digital cameras and stuff, so you had to actually take a photo and, like, of your TV and go drop it off for <laughs> filming and then send it to Do you know there's this, oh, speaking of which, everyone thinks you're so much younger because there's a mistake on the wiki and I have not been able to update it. Everyone thinks that you started in 2002 when you were 11. And because I think they think, because I started when I was 12, but sometimes I forget and say I started when I was 11 because it was like, I'm, I have really bad memory. And so I think people think that you started at 11. So they think we're the same age. Which, and I, so like, like, so hearing you talk about how when you were a kid, you had to like send in a photo. Cause when I was a kid, I still had a digital camera, but you didn't, you had a, you had a like physical camera you had to print out. Yes. 
That is crazy. That is crazy. And people think you started in this sport when you were 11. He was 21, people. And I, someone go update the wiki for me because I never have time because I'm always the one. <laughs> Another Wayback Machine question from Deep Six member Andrew Russell. Bunny, it's 2002. You and I are standing at, in a Del Taco across the street from a trailer park. What sounds good for lunch? Oh my gosh, I got a beef taco. I got a beef taco that day. It was delicious. And I love Del Taco now. I don't, I never eat, I probably haven't eaten Del Taco since that visit. I'm not exaggerating. That was the visit that I, the only visit I've ever had Del Taco. And, and, and Andrew brings it up a lot. It it was a really big moment for him. And, and it was, it was a lot of fun back in the day, you know, this is, gosh, I was, again, I was 12. I keep saying 11, but I was 12. I, I have verified my math i was 12 um <laughs> and so it was so much fun it was such a big 2002 was a big year for me changed my life still doing it to this day david will always have me by six months though david competed on the very last season of comedy central battle bots he entered he didn't make it to the tv series but he he was there you know what i'm saying and he always will have that six months on me that is a pretty prestigious crown that you get to wear, honestly, David. Yeah, David. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, for spending some time with us here, Bunny and David. Um, and I, I want to tell everyone out there that they can catch Malice this weekend at BattleBots Destructathon. Uh, I can't wait to come out and see the show. Uh, and we can't wait to have you both on the show again sometime soon. Yeah, sounds great. We're so excited. And we're so excited for Destructathon. We'll see you there. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to the terrifying world of the near future. Where researchers have built a robot capable of turning from a solid into a liquid, moving under a door, and then forming back into a solid. The robot is made of gallium, a metal that has an unusually low melting point, mixed with magnetic particles that can heat up the entire robot using the power of induction. The scientists were then able to make the robot move by manipulating the magnetic particles. So I watched the video. There is a video of this. Uh, it is a little jarring. I think it also uses stop motion a little bit. So it, it's, you know, it's not like fluid by any means, but you see this figurine. It looks like a Lego figurine melt and then like come out of what looked like a jail cell. And then, to be fair, it can't reheat itself back into the same shape. It has to go into a mold to, like, you know, be what it was before. But then once it is, it's, like, fully capable of doing what it was before it was melted. So it can go from a solid into a liquid and then back into a solid. Have they just been feeding it Cheesecake Factory? Oh, God. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe TMI. <laughs> You know, this reminds me of, it reminds me of, um, I don't know if anybody uh, out there is as old as I am. I hope I don't date myself right now, but uh, the old Nickelodeon show, uh, Alex Mack. See, it's funny yeah, you, you say would that. Think of that. Yeah. You're saying that on uh, a show with a bunch of people your age. So yes, of course I know Alex Mack. 
I love that show. What's that supposed to mean, Kyle? That we're old. No. How do you know about Alex Mack? Um, because I liked Nickelodeon a lot as a kid. Uh, well, and it, it was a really good show. And it was, uh, I mean, the acting was bad, like all the Nickelodeon shows. But for a kid show, it was, it was good. It was fun. It was a more Listen. serious take on something like Clarissa Explains It All. Kyle, I have lived nearly the last eight years of Chris and I's relationship in the shadow of Larissa Olenek, the actress who played Alex Mack. Wow. I made the critical error of once, just once, during our our tenure as a couple, (laughs) of mentioning that my first crush was Alex of Alex Mack. I mean... And I've heard about it every day for the last (laughs) eight years. I can't blame you. She's cute. That's a reasonable first crush, right? Everybody's first crush from that time period would have been like an Alex Mack or a Topanga or or something like that. So that's a reasonable first crush. There's nothing wrong with that. Or maybe like Keanu Reeves, if you're me, you know. What? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I was speaking specifically for the folks that are attracted to lady type people. So you're right. I agree. I agree. Oh, no. Well, it's like it was a close tie between alex mack and, and patrick swayze so like i'm not i don't want to like just go ahead and put all my you know my eggs in one basket but uh those are really opposite ends of the spectrum there i love that that's that's where i belong both ends um alex mack could reform back into herself though she didn't need a mold which would put her a little bit ahead of this uh this robot yeah that's a little more badass i have to say um she could also go through pipes and then reform after she came out the other end of the pipe, which would make her uh, able to sneak into any facility that had running water, which is great. <laughs> she could also point to things and clean up her room just through telekinesis. And I was so jealous of that as a child, like, like tangibly jealous Um, cause I thought that other people, not just her, but I thought other people could do that. And like, I was the odd one out that couldn't, and that I actually had to physically put an effort to clean my room. And, uh, it was like a real sticking point. (laughs) Yeah, that she had too many powers. She had telekinesis. She could generate electricity. She could use her electricity generation powers to like hack into things like electronic locks and, and computers and stuff. And she could turn into the the liquid like metal terminator thing and go under doors and through pipes. She had too many powers, and it was the thing where it would like create weird plot holes where she would like not know how to solve a situation and you're sitting there yelling at your TV um as a young child as I was, being like, just use your telekinesis. You could just knock the door down with your brain, but she never did. <laughs> and this is something that Ferguson from Clarissa Explains It All could never do. Ugh, Ferguson. <laughs> Ugh, Ferguson. The thing, like, I, I wish that I could participate, but uh, the thing I'm realizing is that you, my friends, had a much different childhood than me. You know, like, I wish I had cable. I didn't have a TV until I was 10. Then we only had bunny ears. I mean, like, and you guys were watching this incredibly sounding show. I've never even seen Alex Mack before. I got to watch some clips on YouTube. You know, I was probably like reading the Bible by a candlelight or something, you know? <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Oh, my God. 
Uh, Luke, you've gotten me twice now in 48 <laughs> hours to the point of laughing where I'm almost hearing. <laughs> the first being, uh, the first time being, I, I laughed so hard on the way home from NHRL this weekend that I almost veered off the road and killed all of us. Um, and it would have been an okay way to go. It would have been all right. We were laughing so hard. <laughs> yeah. Full disclosure for everybody at home. Uh, we just did an HRL, right? We did, we record the show on Monday after uh, an NHRL Saturday. And uh, we're, I don't know about you guys, but I am still just absolutely wiped. Like it's that was still technically the weird part of the night for us. It's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> It takes about 72 hours for um, my face muscles to relax from the, the smile bruises uh, and so that I could like return to some semblance of normal normalcy. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. But yeah, but we're, we're driving home and Luke, Luke, <laughs> I don't know if you want to, if it's all right for me to share, but you know, Luke, we, we stayed across the hall from him at the, uh, at the Hilton <laughs> And uh, while we did have, you know, one of those weird adjoining rooms uh, where there's a door in between us and the next room, uh, and there was a, a, a gaggle of, of uh, gentlemen maybe over in that room that were celebrating a bachelor party, the real, the real racket came from across the hall <laughs> with Luke snoring. And uh, <laughs> Luke, Luke told us on the way home that he is actually the proud owner of a new CPAP machine. Uh, but the uh, the thruster on it might be a little uh, might be a little off kilter, so <laughs> he puts it on and he says his cheeks blow up like a balloon, and air just comes out of his mouth like a windsock. And at that point, I almost drive off of eighty four, and just we all disappear in a fiery wreck. I laughed. I laughed for probably. Uh, Three minutes, just full hard laugh, tears rolling down the sides of my cheeks. <laughs> Luke looking like he's on a roller coaster with his cheeks flapping. <laughs> I'm telling you, my settings are off. You guys. The settings on the machine are wrong. Oh my goodness! Well, that's about it for us today. Uh, Thank you, Luke, for letting us poke fun at your debilitating condition. <laughs> <laughs> and a big shout out to Nicole for editing this week's episode because I'm probably crying right now. Goodbye, everybody. We'll be back in your feed next week with another mystery (laughs) guest. We'll see you then, folks. (laughs) I'll see you. Bye.